Lord's good, isn't he? Lord really is good on Sunday morning. Did you ever notice that? You know, you get up and you look for him, and right there he is. Right there staring you in the face. I like that. That's why I like morning. Um, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand several times today. And I'm going to only ask you to raise your hands and be honest, okay? Don't be fibbing. Don't be looking at other people. Don't raise your hands because the guy next to you or the girl next to you did. Um, don't raise your hand because you think you should have had auto. Um, raise your hand when you mean it. Raise your hand if you're sure, Nettie says. <laughs> oh, children? Children, I thought, raise your hand if you're sure. She was remembering a commercial or something. Okay, children, you're dismissed at this time to go where you're supposed to go and do what you're supposed to do with whom you're supposed to do it. How many of you got problems? All right, this message is for you. If you've got problems, I'm talking to you. And I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Now, just think of them for a minute. Now, I want you to ask, David, what did you do? Have you been to the rodeo again? you got another busted arm. You're going to have to start. You've got to realize those horses are bigger than you are, boy. <laughs> Cowboys always come in a little bit bandaged up on Sunday morning. <laughs> it's getting better. Well, anyway, um, if you've got problems, this message is, is for you. And... Um, just think about it. Now, exercise a little bit of faith. We're supposed to be in church, right? Or we're supposed to be the church if we want to get technical about that. But uh, that's a place where you talk about faith and stuff, right? All right. Well, I'm going to ask you to exercise a little bit of faith here all of a sudden. All right. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you to maybe to misplace your faith a little bit here. Don't get too theologically technical on me this morning. All right. How many of you would like it if I could guarantee you that I could relieve 75% of all your problems by the time you leave here today? Would anybody like that? Okay. That's the offer I'm making. And I, I really think that's the number the Lord gave me. If you will believe what I'm going to tell you this morning, I will make a somewhat personal guarantee with a lot of fine print at the bottom. Um that you will lose 75% of your problems by the time you leave here today. That would, if you really believed it, there'd be more than one little guy in the back mumbling, hallelujah. There'd be people standing up in the chairs and acting like Robin McMillan in here, rolling around on the floor, cranking up their Holy Ghost chainsaws and all kinds of stuff. You know, but, but you know, that, that's really um, what I think we could do. I think we can do that. And, and it's just by changing our focus. You know, uh, what you seek, you'll find. So what you're finding, you must be seeking. So if you're finding problems, you must be looking for them. Ooh, that's a bad application of a Scripture, isn't it? That kind of seems like it makes us responsible for the problems in our life instead of somebody else that we always want to blame with them. Uh, but we'll see how that works out. What I want to talk about this morning is a change in focus. I want us to change our focus from a self-focused lifestyle 
to a kingdom vision lifestyle. Because what you look for, you're going to find. So if you are in a self-focused game plan, you're going to be finding a lot of self. And self doesn't solve problems. But if we can really change the way we approach our basic life, and I know there's some people here who are really kingdom people, who are eat up with it. We're sending some of them off to Texas. They're so eat up with it, they're miserable about the half the time. You know, everything in life is a distraction if it's not kingdom stuff to Scott. You know, and, and, and that's great. Um, and so they're finding adventure in their life. You know, they're getting ready to go off and get totally radically disillusioned. That's a good thing. Did you know that disillusionment is a good thing? Because disillusionment means absolving illusions, getting rid of illusions. So disillusionment means to get rid of what you were believing that was wrong. So they're going off and they're going to find out what it's like to be in full-time ministry. And it never is exactly what you thought it was going to be. And that's a good thing. Because what it is, is better than what we thought it was. And oftentimes, everything in our life is like that. What it is, is better than what we had hoped for. If we have a kingdom vision. If we see things from God's perspective. You know, because He really is God. And He really is in control. The problem with most of our frustrations is, is we wish they, that God was doing something different. Isn't that the truth? And we get upset about our circumstance when God sent the circumstance to change us. You know, so let's, let's I want to talk about the kingdom for a minute. You know, you've got to kind of define your terms because I'm going to talk about kingdom vision. We need to understand what at least me and Jesus are talking about when we say Kingdom, the kingdom of God. Um, Jesus taught us to pray. He says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You know, that's what we're supposed to be praying about. We're supposed to be praying about the kingdom of God coming. But Jesus, it says in Matthew 4, 23, says, Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Now, let's, let's turn to Matthew 10 for just a second. I want to look at just a, a couple of verses here. And this is where the, the disciples are being commissioned to go out and do something. Um. In verse uh, 7 there, he, he's talking to his disciples, and I hope we are included in that bunch. It says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is that? I mean, if, if that's what we're supposed to go and tell people about, what is it? You know, it's hard to tell somebody something you don't really understand yourself. Um, for years, I'd never eaten a mango. I didn't really know what a mango was, having been raised in North Carolina in the mountains. And so you don't see many mangoes growing on the trees up there. 
But when I moved to Paraguay, we had a mango tree in the backyard that seemed to drop a half a ton of mangoes twice a year. My, one of my son's most loathed tasks was going out about every other day and gathering up 10 or 15 gallons of half-rotten mangoes and throwing them in the creek down behind the house because they were breeding flies. We couldn't eat mangoes fast enough to keep up with them. And if you don't know what a mango is, it's hard to tell somebody what it tastes like. Even after you've eaten a half a ton of them, it's hard to describe the taste. So how are we going to tell people about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven? What is that? What is this good news that we're supposed to be telling people about? Um, he, he explains a little bit here. He says, and as you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Um, see, there, there was two parts to this deal. Jesus was saying, go out and proclaim something, go out and tell people something. But he was also saying, I want you to show them what it looks like. You know, talk is pretty cheap. And a lot of us have known people over the years, I would say probably 100% of us, have known people over the years who say one thing and do another. You know, I've, I've been involved in prison ministries and street ministries, and, and I have, to my remembrance, I don't think I've ever met a single wino or drug addict that was homeless and on the street when you started talking to them about Jesus, they didn't start preaching the gospel back at you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, well, I'm a Christian. You know, they're drunk as a skunk and homeless and beat up and toothless. And, and you know how they got that way was by repeatedly over and over uh, disappointing people and living an ungodly life to the point and nobody else wanted anything to do with them. And so they're out there about... You know, I have compassion for homeless people, but the truth of the matter is, is about 99% have worked their way. They worked very hard to get out there. You know, they sinned continuously and repeatedly for years to get in that condition. Now, there are people who, innocent people who have bad things happen to them, and, you know, so I'm not just making a blanket statement there. Don't, don't get me wrong. But most of the people who are out on the streets have heard the gospel over and over and can quote it back to you. But their life and their words don't match up. You know, there's, there are, there's no demonstration that what they're saying to you is a reality. And there's a pretty big challenge here in this commission that the Lord's given us. He said, I want you to go and preach the kingdom of heaven, but I want you to show people what it looks like. Because for there to be power in our words, there has to be a demonstration that we own those words. You know, Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and sell it not. The truth gets kind of expensive. But the trick about the truth is, is that every time you come up to the counter to have truth about yourself or a circumstance or a situation in your life, and you don't pay the price to get that truth, the next time you come around, the price has gone up. And it'll cost you a little bit more to have the truth. 
about yourself or your situation or what it is you're doing. So, you know, we're not, we're not only supposed to, to, to say this stuff. I, I really think we're supposed to do it. Now, the, the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Well, there's this, you know, I, I like playing around with words. And, and the Greek New Testament uses the word basileia to destri- describe kingdom. But when the Bible's talking about kingdom, it's not talking about a geographic location. You know, we're not talking about Poland. Raise your hand if you're from Poland this morning. We got two people from Poland sitting back there. I like seeing them here. You know, the Lord told us He was going to send people from the nations to us. And then through natural relationships, He would open doors for us in the nations. Hey, there's two people from Poland. Look at that. Stand up. Stand up a little bit. I want to be able to see these guys. You know, it, the, the really weird thing about this is, I'm going to tell you something about them. Um, we, we had sort of a wild meeting a week or two ago, you know, and had some dancing and stuff going on up here and one thing or another. And I went back and I was thinking, man, I wonder if we're freaking those Polish people out. You know, because it was kind of freaking me out a little bit. And so I went back there and it says, oh, man, this is just like our church. <laughs> so I think they're, they're all right. It's, it's, it really is remarkable that there's people all over the world like us. Isn't that, isn't that strange? I find that extremely unusual. But um, this kingdom thing that we're talking about is the rule and active reign of God in the lives and hearts of His people. It's like Jesus really being king. It's like Jesus really being in control. It's like really seeing heaven shining through people. Now think about it. Are there people in this room that you recognize that the, the, the most significant characteristic about them that you know is Jesus? I'd say yes. And I'd say if you can't nod your head and say yes, you're looking for the wrong stuff. Now, you can always find problems with people or faults with people, but that's usually just because you're looking in the mirror. Uh, Even though you may think you're looking at somebody else. But it is a blessing for me to look around this room, and I can look at several people, and, 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 and I really do see Jesus in you. I really do see the grace of God and the glory of God manifested in your life. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? I got distracted. I don't even know where I'm going. But that is the kingdom. Jesus ruling and reigning in the lives of individuals. That is a demonstration. You see, it is is very disappointing to hear from the lips of somebody who's living an an extravagantly sinful life, talk about Jesus. It just makes you kind of cringe inside, doesn't it? And you know there's no power in it. It's just words. Well, we want to see the gospel of the kingdom preached. This gospel that says 
that He has, like it says in Colossians 1, 13, it says, He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Now, the majority of you here have experienced that. You felt like you just... I, I know this happened to me almost 31 years ago now, that the Lord just grabbed me out of darkness and put me into the kingdom of light. And I'm really glad He did. I'm really glad He did. That's what. And, and, and I woke up the next morning, and I was different. It wasn't that I was trying to be different. I couldn't help being different. It wasn't that I was trying to set my affections on heavenly things. People started telling me I was so heavenly-minded I was no earthly good because all I wanted to do was sit around and read the Bible. Somebody had to tell me to get up and go to work. Because I was focused on the kingdom. It burned in my heart. It was a wonderful thing. I was transformed. I can testify to the fact that when you do that thing, whatever that born-again thing is, that you're transformed. Let's turn to Revelation 11. And I want us to see something here. Don't forget about your problems. We're going to get there. I don't want you to forget them yet. You ain't got no problems, Chuck. I used to get so mad as this guy, this, this little old bald-headed mechanic named Otis Reeder led me to the Lord and kind of discipled me for a long time, you know. And, and during that first year, I was pretty close to Otis, and, and I would go to him with all of my weird temptations and problems, and I would say, Otis, I just, I've got this problem. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really upset with myself about this. And he would say, Jim, are you saved? Uh, yeah, I'm saved, Otis. He would say, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I would say, uh, yeah, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And he would always do the same thing next. And I knew it was coming. It was so irritating because I didn't think he was understanding me and my problems. Thirty years later, I understand that I wasn't understanding him. And he really did understand my problems. You know, He would say, are you saved? Yeah. Filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And he would raise his hand just like this. And he'd say, well, all power in heaven and earth is given unto you. What's your problem? <laughs> it would make me so mad. I go, well, that old coot. He just doesn't understand the life of a young boy. <laughs> he understood it better than I did. Revelation 11:15 says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of our Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. You see, that is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that what we hope for? When the Lord returns in His glory and there are no more tears, there is no more suffering, there's no more sickness, there's no more dying, there's no more sin, there's no more sexual abuse of children, there's no more prostitution, there's no more gambling, there's no more abortion, but we see the glory of God manifested in reality, 3D, touchable stuff. 
Isn't that what our hope is? Isn't that what the kingdom of heaven is? Isn't, we all know what it is. We just aren't preaching it and demonstrating it. We gotta proclaim and demonstrate what the kingdom of God is, what the kingdom of heaven is. We know that one day He's going to come and there will be a burning. All that is evil will be burned and it will pass away and there will be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. And there will be no shadow of turning. We will not need the sun by day or the moon by night because God in His glory will illumine everything there is. He is all there is and all there is is His. That is the kingdom of heaven and Jesus said, You're it! Tag! You're it! Proclaim it, show it, do it, live it, splash around in it. It's yours. It's your divine right as king's kids to see the kingdom of heaven manifested not only in your personal life, but in this local congregation, in the city in which we live, and to the nations. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the kingdom of God. It's a good thing. It really is a good thing. Well, let's turn over to Ephesians 2. Now, this is 25% of the problem I can't solve for you. I told you I could solve 75%. I'm going to show you the 25% that makes getting rid of the 75% fun. Do you know what they, what happens to a muscle when it has no resistance? It atrophies. It's no good. Most of us spend 99.9% .9 of our prayer life praying for no resistance and then wonder why we're sitting here with atrophy of the hinder parts. We don't like resistance. But resistance is good. If resistance wasn't good, God wouldn't have put it here. You need resistance in your life. If there's not resistance, you will atrophy. You will become lethargic.